Welcome to episode three of Cool Story with David J. McNeil. Thank you so much for paying the show another visit. I sincerely hope you are enjoying the podcast so far. This is episode three. Yeah! We pulled the three Pete, three Pete, three Pete. I wish I had one of those foam hands with three fingers. Uh, it has been a real pleasure to sit down and hear more about the extraordinary lives some of my favorite people have lived thus far. If this is your first time tuning in, I am by no means an expert on anything at all. At all, at all, at all. I'm a generalist, and that's even being generous. What I am interested in, though, is people. I love stories, and I found that given the proper conditions, even the most guarded individual has a story inside them that could break your heart or restore your faith in humanity. But you have to ask. This week, my guest will be my friend Michelle Simmons. Michelle had a very successful TV career happening in Corpus Christi, Texas, when a car accident shattered her ankle. That injury became the impetus for a major life change. She swapped live TV remotes and NFL promotions for a host of new opportunities that soon led her to event planning in paradise. Well, as close as you can get to it in Playa del Coco, Costa Rica. That's right. Seven years ago, she packed up her stuff and her dog Coco and damn well moved to Coco. And the rest, as they say, is history. And make sure you stay tuned after my chat with Michelle for the third installment of a little something we like to call... Don't try this at home. This week's story is presented by my old friend, Tony Devlin. Tony Devlin and I met in broadcast school in Ottawa back in 1994. Within five minutes of meeting, we had come to realize that our fathers had been roommates in their days at the University of Windsor. Small world indeed, or <laughs> discuss amongst yourselves. Now, Tony and I have had many good times together, but this is a solo voyage. This one is about the time he threw caution to the wind and moved to the Arctic. So stay tuned for that. But now it's time for my chat with Coco's life of the party, Michelle Simmons. Hey, Michelle, how you doing? Hey, David, I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for being here. You are uh, my first official interview in our little studio here uh, in Costa Rica. We've been doing the other, uh, the, the first two episodes that we did, we did via internet and uh, that's got its own challenges. And so now we're going to be doing it from home as things start to loosen up here in Costa Rica in terms of uh, the uh, rules about physical distancing and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit looser than it used to be. So for a lot of people who live here or spend part of their year in Coco, I mean, you're you're a, a fixture on the social scene. Uh, but how long have you been in Coco? Um, I've actually been here seven years. I arrived March second of two thousand and thirteen. And what brought you to Coco? What what? Yeah, how did that happen? Was it a vacation or what? No, actually, um, I have um, I have a shattered ankle. And my doctors basically said, either you get a bone fusion or you move somewhere where it's a lot warmer and you can slow down and uh, take better care of yourself and your ankle. And 
My all my friends kept telling me about Costa Rica and how beautiful it was here, what a happy country it is, and that I would fit in perfectly here. So I did a little bit of research and I had never been here before, ever, didn't know a soul. But I thought, why not? I mean, what do I have to lose? So I packed up all my stuff. I sold the majority of my stuff, but I packed up about 10 boxes, my dog, and I came on down and I haven't left. Yeah, that's pretty Absolutely brave. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it here. Yeah. I know, not knowing the language or anything. <laughs> yeah, coming down by yourself and yeah, that's, yep. that's, a that's, yeah, that takes a lot of guts to do something like that. Sure does. And it was the best decision I have ever made. Absolutely. Right best decision. So you've been in Coco for seven years, but you're originally a Boston girl. Is that right? Yes. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and I, that's where I, I graduated high school from Dover, New Hampshire, but I lived my most of my adult life in Corpus Christi, Texas. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And you used to do television work, didn't, didn't you in Corpus yes. Christi? I worked for Fox television, not Fox news, but Fox, the network. I worked for them for almost 15 years. I was a senior marketing sales rep. Right. Mm-hmm. So what did that mean? What kind of work were you doing? So I, I did uh, commercials. So I did all the advertising. Mostly I worked with uh, locals, mm-hmm. but I also had a few uh, bigger national clients, of course, like McDonald's and stuff like that. Nice. But I mostly worked with locals, which I loved because I loved helping them, you know, uh, I, I loved helping the locals get their name out there and help them like the mom and pop stores. It made me feel so good to um, help them grow. And right. so I wrote commercials. I wrote script. I, I did voiceovers. I did it all. Right. Sales, all of it. <laughs> now, one thing I know about you, because we've chatted quite a bit, uh, is that it seems like a lot of the jobs you didn't apply for, a lot of your opportunities you were discovered. So wasn't that the case in Corpus Christi for the television gig? Yes, it was. I was actually bartending at a bar called Cats 21. And the owner, Don Gillis, came in uh, to Cats quite a bit. And he was one of my regular uh, customers. And he was like, hey, I think you would be great in TV advertising. And I was like, what? No, I I don't even know how. I mean, the the only thing I knew about computers was sending emails at the time. (laughs) So I was like, I don't think so. He's like, no, I think you'd be great. You could sell anything. And so I was like, okay, you know, well, why don't I just try and at least go interview? And so I went in for an interview and I got the job and unbelievable. Three years after I started working there, um, I uh, got an award for TV person of the year for the uh, American Advertising Federation. Nice. So I beat people that have been working in the advertising uh, field for over 20 years, like for ABC, CBS. So it was a huge, you know, accomplishment for me, but I felt so thankful um, to receive the award, but I did work extremely hard and did everything that other people wouldn't do. And that's just the way I am. (laughs) I'm always trying to take care of everybody, even if, you know, I I didn't even realize I was up for an award like this. So I was very thankful. It was awesome. Where does, where does that come from? The the the, the desire, the need to uh, take care of other people. You bring that up a lot. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something inside of me. I've always been that way. I'm always wanting to make sure everybody's happy and taken care of, and 
it's just some. I don't know. I think it's just something God gave me. It was a gift. Yeah, well, that's a great quality <laughs> for sure. I just love people, and I, I love putting smiles on everybody's faces. It, it's such a feel good thing. And people ask me all the time, "Where do you get your energy from?" And I'm like, I get it from everyone else. I right. feed off of everybody else's energy. Right. When it makes me feel so good when. I see them smiling. Nice. And what, what do you, what's uh, one of your highlights of that era working in television in Corpus Christi? Oh, wow. So I, uh, we did a lot of live remotes Okay. and we were not supposed to do a live remote bef- uh, during the Super Bowl, but I did sell a package where we were going to go live at, um, it was a mattress store during the Super Bowl <laughs> and we weren't supposed to do that. Um, it was, uh, like restricted, but we did it anyways. And it was awesome. It was one of the best, uh, live remotes I've ever done. And it was super exciting. And actually it was the Cowboys were playing. So right. it was even more exciting yeah, yeah, yeah. and we won. Nice. So yeah, that was, those were good times. That's cool. I yeah. used to do remotes from time to time. I'm in live TV and what a buzz that is, eh? Because oh you're God. just, you know, I mean, you, you, you can screw up, you know, but <laughs> but you you desperately don't want to. And it's just the pressure of live TV. Like, I mean, it's so much of a buzz, it right? It is it's so, so much, much of a, of a buzz. Oh, man, it's awesome. Yes. So, uh, and then, um, uh, actually, you mentioned something to me the other day that caught me. Uh, and that was, uh, you said that you, you we were talking about passports or something. You said you had a German passport. When yes. you were born in Germany. I was born in Germany. Uh-huh. Uh, my dad uh, was in the military. So right before my mom was about to have me, she flew there and made sure to have me um, so my dad could be present. And yeah, I was born in Frankfurt, Germany at the army base. Wow. Yeah. And then how, how long did your uh, your dad stay over there in Frankfurt? We were there six months. Yeah. Uh, my dad was there for a year. Okay. Yes. So. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah. So I've only been in Germany for six months. <laughs> I don't speak German or anything. No. <laughs> that would be awesome. So seven years you've been in Costa Rica and uh, you came to relax. Mm-hmm. I know you've got a lot of energy. <laughs> and uh, how long were you able to relax for be- before you, you had to get going on some kind of project or work or, you know, because uh, six months is a long time to go without getting paid. Yes. Well, I, actually, of course, that's why. We all move here, right, is to slow down, relax and uh, take in the beautiful surroundings of Costa Rica and do things that you've never done before. Be more adventurous. Costa Rica is all about adventure. So I came here um, and actually about six months after living here, I was like, okay. Well, actually, three months after living here, uh, six months it took me to start my business. But um, I definitely did slow down. I wasn't even on the Internet. I didn't do any social media for the first three months I lived here. I was really just getting to experience the culture and know the people, um, which, you know, I've never been to Costa Rica before. Didn't speak the language. So it was a beautiful way to adjust myself in living in a new, new uh, country. So I just came here and I basically rode my bike every day. I sat on the beach. I read books. I spent a lot of time with my dog. Um, I went to church a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I basically, I went to a church where um, it was a Costa Rica church and nobody spoke English, 
Well, I mean, there was a couple of people, mm-hmm. of course, but I, I just really wanted to get involved with the culture. Absolutely. Right. That was and the main that's, thing. That's the best place you go to uh, go to church. And yeah, that's the a safe, safe environment. I felt safe. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It was yeah. great. And so did you meet a lot of people at the church that you still see I around do. or yes. chat with and stuff? Yes, I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So do you, uh-huh. That's been pretty interesting because a lot of a lot of North Americans who come here uh, and eventually become expats, oftentimes don't really know a lot of the locals, right? They just know the people that they meet at the bar and the restaurants and you know what not, like other North Americans. So that was a good way to meet a lot of local folks before before you got to know a lot of the expats who live here as well. It was. It was a great way. I literally, I was the only gringa in the church and they made me feel so welcome. The Costa Ricans here. Oh my gosh. It was like, I was, I was Tika mm-hmm. and um, it was, it was wonderful. Yes. And for me, it's the community. It's all about the community and the people here. I'd say about four years ago, I had a very, very bad eye injury. I had an ulcer on top of my eye. It was an infection from my contacts. I couldn't see for about three months. Um, I had to go to Liberia three days a week to see the specialist. And obviously I needed people to take me there and bring me back. And this whole community, people I had never met before, strangers, uh, were coming to pick me up and take me to the eye doctor so I did not lose my eye. Uh, wow. This eye doctor, he was a specialist, a wonderful man. I was really concerned because it cost $100 to go see him the first time. And then he told me I had to come back and see him three times a week. And I was like, well, I can't afford to pay $100 every time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. I just want to save your eye. And you only have to pay the initial $100. And after that, it's just coming back in me making sure that the prescriptions I gave you are working and that the swelling's going down and you don't lose your eye. And yeah. so I had to take these antibiotics for three months, uh, every hour on the hour, I had to put three different eye drops in my eye. But at the end of all of this, it was unbelievable how this community came together to help me, a complete stranger, and would pick me up and take hours out of their day to take me to the eye doctors and bring me back. And it was just the kindness of their heart. Yeah. And it it just, you know, it's just so beautiful. I, I stayed with a family that took care of me um, because I, I couldn't see anything out of that left eye. And uh, any sort of light that got inside was extremely painful. After three months, I was able to see again and I was healed. Yeah. It was like a miracle. Um, I mean, I did everything the doctor told me. Uh, I was extremely on top of the antibiotics and the everything that he told me how to take care of my eye. And I made sure I did everything exactly the way he said. And my eye was healed. So I thank everyone in this community. At that time, it was very hard for me. And I had to count on people, strangers that I didn't know to take care of me because my family's not here. And wow, unbelievable. 
You had to count on the kindness of strangers, as they say. So that sealed the deal. That was when you were like, this is this was a good move for me. Yes, this is a great move for me. And this is where my heart is. I love Costa Rica. I can't imagine living anywhere else. I've been here now seven years and this is definitely my home. Well, that's a great way to start. And then when did you start your business and tell, tell our audience a bit about what your first, first business was here in, in Plas del Coco? So when I first moved here, uh, I've been here, like I said, about three months and I started thinking, okay, I want to do something. I'm, you know, I'm getting a little antsy. So I went into a few of the stores. I went to school in California for uh, merchandise marketing. Mm -hmm. I actually have a degree in fashion Mm -hmm. and I've never used it. So I thought, oh, maybe I could use it here. So I went into this one clothing store and presented my resume. And that was pretty funny. (laughs) They were like, no, you don't need to give us your resume. That's not really how it works here. (laughs) No, it's not how it works here. So um, basically, the uh, the lady that owned the store, she gave me an idea um, to start my own business. And she said, really, that's the way uh, you need to go about working here is starting something on your own. And she was going to start a babysitting service, but she didn't have enough time. So Mm -hmm. she gave me the idea. She's like, nobody has a babysitting service in this area. And I think you'd be great at it. You're so animated. You've got a lot of great energy. Kids will... Uh, definitely, um, you know, be drawn to your personality and the way you are. So I thought, oh my God, that's a great idea. And so I did. It's called Coco Babysitting Services. And I've been running it now for six and a half years. Wow. And I have, uh, in the beginning, of course I did it. I was the one babysitting. But as I gradually uh, grew, um, I, most of my clients, um, I'd have to pick up their children at the schools, uh, particularly this one school called Delfina's mostly. Mm-hmm. And the principal there, her name is Melissa. She greeted me one day and said, you know, I think you would be great as a teacher here. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, she goes, I think you'd be great teaching a pre-K or kinder to our children here and teach them English. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds like an amazing challenge. I would have never been a teacher, but yes, I would love to. And so I became a teacher for three and a half years. So I was teaching pre-K and kinder and I was teaching the children English and they were teaching me Spanish, which was amazing. It it worked perfectly. (laughs) And once again, another job that wasn't uh, advertising that you just got recruited for. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And what I did with the babysitting service when this job came about is um, I got to hire more locals and to work for me. So I'm employing more locals, which was the whole point, you know, of coming here. You want to help. You want to help build the community, right? You were telling me that a lot of your customers are people who come to visit. So it, it kind of mostly you're you're just kind of helping families relax and, and take advantage of their vacation time. Right. Yes. Um, I mostly work with the Papagayo Peninsula um, with Miss Kelsey Hill. Uh, she's actually helped me a lot with this babysitting service. But most of my clients are tourists. Yes, they come here to relax and they really Uh, want to be with their family, of course, at the same time, but they'd like some help. So you're usually, my babysitters are usually there present with the family the whole time. Yeah. Uh, They go on tours. They, um, 
I've had many of my girls go um, with the families to different tours where they're zip lining and they're spending time with the children in the pools. Right. And yeah, yeah. it's almost more like a temporary nanny. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's but cool. All my babysitters speak Spanish, English, and they're CPR certified. Nice. So, and I, I've had the business now six and a half years, so they're all very highly recommended. So I'm very thankful for that. Nice. So when families come down to visit, definitely something to look into if you want to uh, take a little bit of the, of the load off and be able to relax more and uh, just have somebody along to, to, uh, to help out with the family, with the kids. That's cool. Absolutely. And then, so how do you get, how do you make the jump from running that company, company to getting into uh, uh, event hosting, which is what you're known for mostly here in town now? Yes. So actually, Miss Kelsey, the lady that helped me with the babysitting service, one day she asked me to help her uh, with an event she was throwing um, at another um, venue called Cafe de Playa. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to help you. And the owner there, when she did have this event, uh, the owner there saw all the people I was bringing to -hmm. support the Kelsey's, uh, the band was called Mangu mm-hmm. and everybody loved Mangu. It was so great. What a great night that was. But he saw all the people I brought and he came up to me after the event was over and asked me to work there. Nice. And he's like, ah, oh, he goes, I need somebody like you here. This would be great. Um, if you could bring, come up with more ideas for events, mm-hmm. I want to hire you. And so I worked there for about five months and I grew the place so rapidly it was overwhelming mm-hmm. um i mean i remember new year's eve we had over 300 people and wow. yeah it was a lot of people for that place as we grew and grew it was too much so he wanted to step uh, back more the owner and become more of what he was before which is a boutique restaurant yeah. hotel and so right at that same time is when i met uh devin mm-hmm. devin Pickering is my boss now from Hotel La Porta del Sol. Mm-hmm. So the transition and the timing was perfect for me. So now I'm working now. I do events at the Garden Bar at yep. Hotel La Porta del Sol for two years now. So when you met Devin, was he, had he was the Garden Bar a thing yet or was it just the mo- the hotel that was there? It was just the hotel that was there. OK. Yes. And then he then he built the, the, uh, the, the garden bar. And then, and then did you, you got in at the very beginning of all this? Yes. I actually, uh, been with him exactly two years now. One wonderful thing about me starting to work at the garden bar that I noticed right away that Devin and I made the best team. I mean, anything that any ideas that he had, he would bounce off me or I'd bounce off him. And we just collaborated together to make every event a dynamic success, mm-hmm. a huge success. Um, they call us the dynamic duo. We work <laughs> extremely well together. Um, you know, we have a 20 years difference, but our our love for the community and our love for entertainment and making people happy is hand in hand. We're yeah. the same. And I'm so blessed to work with him. And I'm so blessed to work with all the people at the garden bar. Um, I love our team. Uh, Veronica is, I've been working with her for two years and she's a fabulous manager, but everybody there from Jeremy for all the bartenders and the wait staff, yeah. they've been there 
Uh, Jeremy's been there since the beginning and it's just that feel good feeling. When you come to the garden bar, you feel like you're at home. Yeah. It's a home away from home and it's like an oasis. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. There. All the flowers and the trees and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just like the garden of Eden. It's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I find too that, um, the uh, the expats that, who live around here, they all kind of know each other pretty well. And you show up there and it's a feeling like, you, you know, like it's a nice little club or whatever. You know what I mean? Like everybody kind of knows each other and everybody's dancing and everybody's uh, just it's, it's a very light feeling. Right. Everybody's yes. having a nice time and you got to go there and you can shirk off any kind of not the people that, who live down here, uh, uh, you know, full time or six months a year have a lot of worries or whatever. But you can just go there and kind of shake everything off and have a nice time. And, and people there. It's just a great vibe. And the staff is great there, too. Yes, it is such a, it's welcoming. You come in there and you feel like you're a part of something. And that's how we want to make it feel for you. Um, And I go above and beyond to make sure that I bring in the right music for our clientele. Um, And I just want to make sure everybody's having a good time and they're happy and they're living their best life. And coming to our place, I want it to be special for them. Yeah. And you're always running around getting your photo taken with everybody. So you get to see, uh, everybody gets to see themselves on social media and stuff. And that's cool. Yeah. I'm like the paparazzi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Get a, I love doing get that. Get a picture taken with Michelle on the red carpet as you walk in. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. When I first met Devin, he told me about this event he wanted to do. And he was calling, uh, at the time it was going to be called Taste of Coco. And we met with Mike Simons and he came up with the idea for Taste of Papagayo. And Michael Simons is a great realtor here in town. We thought that was a fabulous idea because we can invite restaurants, not just in Cocoa, but outside of Cocoa. Yeah. And, and the it's a charity is, event. The thing is, too, the, for people who are listening and don't haven't been down here, even Cocoa, I think I read somewhere that there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 restaurants. So it's a town that fluctuates between about 4,000 and 5,000, depending on what time of the year it is and how many tourists there are. Mm-hmm. For, for a town that's not that big, it's got a lot of restaurants. So tacking on to that, all the other restaurants from around here, that's a lot of representation for, for restaurants that want to come out and get some more support. Absolutely. Taste of Papagayo is a marketing tool for the restaurants to be able to showcase their best. So was it a big success? Taste of Papagayo is a huge success. It's yeah. our biggest event that we do. We do about nine festivals a year. All our events are charity events. And our first event was Taste of Papagayo, which was our, the charity was Cocoa Community Project, yeah. which helps clean up the streets of Cocoa in the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. And it's an amazing project. This year was Eco Cocoa, which is more of an educational project for people to learn how to recycle, um, reuse. And it's more for the restaurants to be more uh Oh my God. Eco-friendly. Right. And a lot of the things down here, like if you, you know, it's not like back in North America where your tax base takes care of a lot of stuff like that. You know, they don't have the tax uh, base to pay for a lot of things uh, like uh, clean up in various areas. You know, people go out and and often clean the beach, you know, in groups and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. oftentimes those are initiatives that begin uh, at the grassroots level. Right. So you guys were involved in stuff like that as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All our events, we do uh, charity events and most of them are, you know, we raise money for the dogs. We raise money for children. We raise money for families. Um, 
very thankful for the place that I work at that Devin wants to make sure that we're helping the community. We're all about helping our surrounding community. So your role there grew pretty quickly in the, and the, in the role that, that the garden bar specifically uh, plays grew quite quickly too. You guys built a nice bar and then it was did in the second bar. Was that built after or were they both built at the same time? The two bars? No, we had the first bar. And then as we grew, uh, Devin built the second bar, but before that we built the stage so we could have live events. Yeah, And then we got, very big. So then he, um, we started to grow. So then he built a parking lot across the street and then he remodeled the kitchen. And now, uh, we're in the process of making more changes. We're going to have a new menu when we reopen. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have TVs, Mm -hmm. which is cool. We're, uh, we, Devin just hired a general manager, which I'm very excited to start working with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have a lot of new changes. Yeah, and and uh, for those that haven't visited Coco yet, but will in the future, uh, the Garden Bar's got a great space for events, and and you guys do a lot of big events there. Um, even you've got sort of the the one off events that happen from time to time, but then you've got we like weekly, you've got all, things every day. So you could tell us a bit about some of those. Yes, so we have movie night on Mondays, which we have all the new movies. Um, my friend is a producer in LA and he sends me the movies, which I'm so thankful for that. And then on Tuesdays, we have trivia night was when I think I first met you, which is also our sushi night. Yeah. And Wednesdays is bingo. And Thursdays is our thirsty Thursday. Uh, and then Friday and Saturdays, we always have live music. So it's great. It's amazing how many working musicians there are in this town. And how busy they are. Oftentimes, you know, there will be musicians that you'll see at one place. And, then, uh, you know, the guitarist is in a, a, another band you see the next night. They kind of move around a lot so they keep, keep busy and keep employed. But uh, there's a lot of great live uh, music that happens in this town. And a lot of it happens at the Garden Bar. Yes. And we always have different um, different bands all the time. So that's what people really enjoy about the garden bar. It's never the same. Um, we have different live music Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Sometimes we have Latin music, rock and roll. Sometimes we have eighties music. It's always a different band, different, um, entertainment. So we're not right on the strip. We're off the strip. So we have to come up with different ideas to bring in people. But you're also kind of in the middle of town too. So you're, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a parking lot there, but if you live sort of right around town, it's usually a short walk for most people to just walk over. Yes. uh, As well. Um, And I wanted to thank you again because you, uh, back in January, when it was my 50th birthday, you uh, worked with uh, Belinda and you guys put together an event uh, that night. Well, uh, it was part of a, a, a larger event that night. The Leatherbacks were playing, which is a great local band. And uh, Donnie Walsh was with them that night. There's the Leatherbacks and then there's the Leatherbacks with Donnie Walsh when Donnie Walsh is here and he can play. And he's a big uh, blues and, and rock uh, artist. He He's a Canadian guy. And just for our Canadian audiences, he was not long ago. He was uh, became a member of the uh, uh, Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame, which is pretty amazing. Uh, so that's cool. He's a big, he's a big draw here. He's and the Leatherbacks draw. are a big draw without him even. I mean, oh, that, yeah. the people really love that band. 
Yeah, didn't you say you had some friends follow him around? For yeah, well, yeah, there were some <laughs> friends of ours. It was a, a friend of ours, a common friend of ours. His brother came into town with his wife, and they love the leatherback so much that they actually followed them around Costa Rica rather than staying in Coco the whole time they were here. <laughs> they were like following them around like the dead. Yeah, that's how much. <laughs> I mean, the leatherbacks are great. And if you've never heard Donnie Walsh with the leatherbacks, it's fabulous. Like this year, we also had um, the Blues Fest, the Costa Rica. Blues Fest, the 10th annual. And we had it at Hotel La Porta del Sol for the first time. And it was huge success. And Donnie Walsh and the Leatherbacks played them, but it then also, but it was phenomenal. And that's like, several days, right? That's over the course of how many days? Uh, three days. Three days. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, yes. that's a lot of coordinating. It was, and it, it turned out fabulous. I was so thankful to be able to have that festival at our place and... Um, it went extremely well. Yeah. We got a lot of great feedback from it. Yeah. I mean, first time for us to throw it and it was the 10 years. So it was a big deal. Right. So we talked about, you know, some of the events that you guys have at La Puerta del Sol and the Garden Bar. Um, There's always a component for charity. Um, You're also involved with uh, tank tops and flip flops. If you live here, you know who they are. And if you've been here visiting, you've probably, if you didn't write and figure out what that was all about, you found out pretty quickly because it feels like every single person in town here owns at least two or three tank tops and flip-flops, tank tops or t-shirts. You see them everywhere. Tell us about that. Tank tops, flip-flops is a fabulous charity that helps raise money for many different organizations. And uh, Devin and Daniel and Mike Simons are the ones that are all extremely involved in helping the community, helping with this, um, idea mm-hmm. of if you buy a shirt and they're all different and they'll be all over town, not just at our uh, hotel, of Porto del yeah. Sol, but he does charities for every single, um, event almost here in Playa del Coco. The biggest business for locals here in town is, is tourism. And so when a lot of the tourism went away, well, when all of the tourism went away, a lot of those families were really struggling. We were talking to somebody uh, who was uh, uh, Rich Coast Diving. They they were uh, collecting, they were one of the groups that was collecting money and food. And they were telling us that um, there was one local family that had been a five, a family of five had been subsisting on melons for yes. three weeks. And you hear that. And, and so people jump in and they started raising money to get food out there. And you guys were involved in that. Tell us about that day that you were out. Yes. Uh, Rich Coast is great. They're actually the ones that first started um, helping raise money. Yep. And then also, of course, Tang Tops and Flip Flops is a fabulous organization. And they also were helping raising money at the same time. And we got to go out Um Last week, well, they every week they're out helping feeding families in the area with and the money is donated uh, through Patos Amanos. Also, they're mm-hmm. Patos Amanos Hands is and involved. Paws, right? It's an organization that helps yes. people and, and animals. And, yes, yeah. a, a great organization that helps people and animals. And Miss Amy Lentz is the one head of that organization. And she gets together with the police department and they gather uh, names with you have to have your cedula to make sure you know it's not they're not giving food to people that are receiving assistance and you get on a list and we go around to the most uh poverty stricken areas the people that need the food the most of course yeah. and we did that last week and it was 
such a feel-good moment to be able to see the smiles on people's faces when you're helping them feed their yeah. families and you're giving them food and they're so thankful. And it just, you know, it just warms your heart to help these people and see the love in their eyes and being thankful for how much you're helping them. Yeah. And that's yeah. a cool thing that I've found ever since I got down here that even if there's not a, you know, you you guess you're in a situation where uh, tank tops, flip flops, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, spearheading this and and then uh, Rich Coast Diving was as well. But I find a lot of people do stuff like this on their own down here. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of people that move down here and they see the need in the community and someone will tell me, oh, we went out and did this or we went out and cl- I, I organized five people to go out and pick plastic up off the beach. Not that there's a lot of plastic and stuff here, but people leave things around. And so there's a lot of people who even on an individual level do do good down here. I think they I think they come down here and they realize that, you know, there isn't as much of a tax base to take care of that stuff. And that a lot of that needs to be picked up by individuals. Yes. So I that's mean, kind of really cool. That's a, a nice vibe down here. A lot of people are uh, very much into uh, volunteerism here. Yes, absolutely. And uh, this this past week also, we went out and we helped uh, clean up the streets of Coco. And it was organized by uh, a friend of mine named Brian Rogers. And it was a great, there was about probably 30 people that showed up mm-hmm. to help. And we all went around and just picking up trash and just trying to keep this community clean, you know, safe and well-fed. One of the things that you hear a lot down here in Costa Rica and you see a lot on T-shirts and everybody says to each other is Pura Vida, which means uh, the, the good pure life, life, pure life, good pure life, life, easy life. What does that mean for you? Pure life. Uh, living here in Costa Rica, it's all about the food. Uh, this The food is unbelievable. It's uh, no preservatives, the quality of food, it's healthy. Healthier living is what is about Costa Rica living here. It's about slowing down, taking time to enjoy your surroundings, experiencing new adventures, getting out there, seeing things that you would never have done before uh, living in, you know, a city or somewhere else. It's, about the people it's about the community it's about uh relaxing taking like they say stop and smell the rose as well that's what you have to do here you have to just slow down relax and live your best life it's all about living your best life yes and living in the moment and living in the moment using your senses experiencing what's around you yes how beautiful it is the smells the taste the everything (laughs) That's yeah. what Costa Rica is all about. Yeah, and we've been we've been enjoying that lifestyle, and, and that's what uh, what brought us here in the first place. So it's been a real pleasure to experience La Pura Vida with you. We've spent a bunch of time with you, either uh, you know social activities and stuff, or on nights when you're working. But you know you're making sure that everybody is is having a good time. Um, so I want to thank you for coming in and chatting with us. And uh, I want to uh, uh, invite everybody to come down and visit us in Costa Rica. And when you do, no doubt, it'll probably take a day or two. And then you'll uh, Michelle Simmons will be on your radar because she's a big part of this community. She is uh, the uh, the life of the party in Coco, is the way I put it. She's the, the cruise director for Coco. <laughs> the, yes. the entertainment director. The entertainment director for Playa del Coco. Yeah. Yes, this is where my heart is, and I love it here. All right, well. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yes. Thank you so much for having me today. No, it was a real pleasure. Thank you.
How cool was that? I'm guessing you're having that inner dialogue right now about when flights are starting up and how quickly you can get yourself down to Coco for a visit. Moving on. This is a story told by my good friend Tony Devlin, the Northern Explorer. Time for another installment of... Please don't try this at home. I'm Tony Devlin, and this is my story. So my first foray into television work in northern Canada took me to Tulochuac, Nunavut, which was formerly known as Spence Bay. I flew into the 600-person community at the end of January, so in my defense, it was 24 hours of darkness and bitterly cold. After being picked up at the airport, I was driven to a house, given keys, and pointed generally towards my work building and the co-op grocery store. And that was that. Welcome to the north. I meet my production trainees a few days later, and, and I begin a, a daily pattern of trudging in the dark from home to work to the store and back home again. I also occasionally went to the arena to watch the kids play hockey in the evenings, but that was pretty much it. Now, the co-op store was small and not very well stocked, so I was resigned to nine months of craft dinner and baked beans, but figured I'd make the best of it. So this went on for three whole weeks, the same pattern, the same routine. Finally, on day 24 of living in this beautiful little community, one of my trainees says, Hey, let's do a shoot at the Northern Store. I said, What? She said, The Northern Store. I, I said, The Northern Store? What's that? My trainees all looked at each other and giggled. They took me outside, and right behind our building was a road cresting a hill, not more than 50 meters away. We walked up, and when we got to the top, after 24 days, a whole two-thirds of this community was suddenly revealed to me. With a much bigger grocery store, a hotel, a restaurant, a gas station, college campus, and a whole bunch of more houses. Changed the whole ballgame. I've now been working in the North for 18 years, have a beautiful wife, and four Inuit children. So I guess the moral of this story is to always take the time to climb hills to see what's on the other side. I'm Tony, and this is my story. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Michelle Simmons. And thanks again also to Mr. Jerry Stamp, who wrote and performed the Cool Story theme song and all of the jingles and stings that appear on the show. Do yourselves a favor and look for Jerry's music wherever you stream. And finally, thank you for listening. Hope you come back for episode four. Everybody's had some adventures. Everybody's had a few close calls Everybody's got a story What's yours?